Canadian Sports Bet Podcast, April 19th. Raptors in the playoffs. Toronto fans, not pleased. That is after two games, John. I should have said that in the intro, but at this point, after two games in Philadelphia, I think it's fair to say that basketball fans in Canada are not real stoked about how things are going to this point. Uh, Good morning to you. Good to see you. And uh, your thoughts, and uh, don't let the Raptors' performance and the frustration of watching those games influence your response when you say, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Matt. Thanks very much. Thanks for that caveat, you know, just that (laughs) escape hatch because I was going to unload. Brings me down. But um, no, those those that was tough to watch, wasn't it? Like we are not. Uh, I don't know where what you where you ended up with it, Matt. But I didn't watch the last eighteen minutes, game time minutes of that game last night. Yeah, we were texting each other, and I said "unwatchable" was the word that uh, came to me. And let's we're going to talk about why, but we're also going to look forward as well and try and be positive about the prospects for the balance of the series. So we have that to talk about. Then we have. We're going to touch on Rookie of the Year for the NBA again. Mm. Trying to focus on the silver lining, John. Scotty Barnes, although injured, voting was completed before he was injured So for Rookie of the Year. So hopefully we'll see a positive result there. Then we're going to get into the Blue Jays. They're at Fenway for the first time this year facing their AL East rivals. Always an interesting matchup and lots of star power and firepower there. So we're going to talk about that and get John's take on that game and series maybe. Then we have the Leafs hosting... The Flyers, I believe they're hosting, are they not, John? Uh, the Flyers, mm-hmm. the, the the lowly Flyers, not flying that high. And the Leafs firing all cylinders on Matthews is out, so we're going to get John's take on the line and uh, whether it's a money line pick or the puck line. Is that the other one, John, that mm-hmm. we look at? Yeah, always. For me, it's money line, Matt. Unless you've got a big, big favorite, then you can lay the puck line. And then we'll finish it up with the Hart Trophy update uh, that's becoming a little less interesting with each passing day. But... I'm going to talk about the Raptors and Sixers, John, for a second. But what I want to do is not let my emotion and I'll go ahead and say anger overflow and bleed, <laughs> bleed into discussion. You know what I mean? I don't want to get all. No one wants to listen to me be all angry, right, John? Mm-hmm. Well, I do. <laughs> like you know, like the. I mean, the rants are going uh, going going on all across Toronto, all across Canada. So why 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 you're you're not absolved too you're you 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 watch this stuff and it's painful for you so unload. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I hear you, and that's that's good of you to say. But I'm trying to rein it in a little bit. As we know, the total free throws uh, in the first quarter yesterday, I believe, were fourteen to nothing in favor in this game two. Embiid had either twelve or fourteen free throws in the first quarter. The Raptors had zero. Uh, over the course of the game, the two games, total free throws awarded 64 to 35. So is that the large? So 64 free throws awarded to the Sixers, 35 awarded to the Raptors. I was looking up for some historical context. Is that a particularly large discrepancy? And there have been instances where it was worse. They usually result in complaints to the league office from the team on the short end of the stick. But what's really bothering me even more is, as Nick put it, uh, it's impossible to defend effectively or even remotely effectively if you can't get in front of guys and stop guys. And every time you touch Embiid, it results in him being awarded free throws. So hopefully you're following us on Twitter. I did retweet a couple of the videos, including one from the NBA offices. 
So from NBA, they sent out a video of Embiid mic'd up getting an and one. And I challenge anyone who knows anything about basketball to explain to me why that was an and one. So it absolutely unequivocally, based on video evidence, mm-hmm. is not. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that happened consistently. I understand I'm a Toronto-based fan. Got it. Raptors fan. Got it. I understand all that. It's absolutely ridiculous how much they're favoring Embiid and the Sixers in front of that home crowd. I've never seen refs so easily manipulated by a worked-up crowd, and it was just horrifying to watch and uh, really upsetting, and you just feel like there's one team that's valued by the referees and by the league because they have big stars. James Harden is as big a star as they come, isn't he, John? I know you got Embiid there as well, and there's sort of one and one a mega stars in the NBA. And then you've got the Raptors, who no one cares about. And the NBA doesn't want their teams going to Canada where players aren't allowed to play because of quarantine or uh, COVID restrictions and so on. Um, You've got less star power on the Raptors. They don't want them to advance. People think this is a rebuilding year for the Raptors, which it is to some degree. But yeah, I think I'm doing okay so far, not getting too angry, John, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to be just be unemotional Very and level. Yep. more objective about what's going on. It's impossible to defend that team if you're not allowed to. Really the option, what it's come down to, I know this sounds ridiculous, but really it quite simply was either let him go, don't <laughs> get out of his way, let him do a layup or dunk it, or attempt to defend him, and then he's on the free throw line. Those were really the two alternatives. So if you tried to defend him, it was free throws. Uh, and so that was really horrible to watch. And then adding insult to injury or pouring salt in the wound, however you want to put it, uh, how about when JoJo Embiid went over, you know, the guy that balled his eyes out when uh, the Raptors eliminated from the playoffs as he was staggering back to the locker room, the process and how horrible he was and that team was for years, tanking intentionally for several years in a row. <laughs> to try and rebuild that franchise. Uh, How about when he went over towards the end of the game, he's feeling all emboldened because of how he's being treated uh, by the refs and the fans are all screaming for him, his own home home founder. He he feels so emboldened, he goes over to Coach Nick Nurse, who's a foot and a half taller then, or at least a foot, and starts telling him to pipe down during the game, saying, stop bitching about the refs. And he admitted afterwards, he said, oh, he's a great coach, I got respect for him, but I told him to stop bitching about the refs. So I've never seen that ever in my life. He's on the court during live play, talking to our coach, looming over him, telling him to shut up. So I've never heard of that by any player ever, anywhere. And I I also retweeted (laughs) the video of uh, the Raptors bench as that exchange was going on. I don't know if you saw it, John, but he could see big cat Jamal McGlure come from the bench behind, assistant coach for the Raptors sort of watching what was unfolding and gradually making his his way around to the front of the bench to stand beside Nick because it was no one can tell me that there wasn't a, a sort of a threatening aspect. I'm not saying he's going to kill him or anything, but like there was definitely a sort of watch your step aspect to it or element to it from uh, from Jojo to Nick. And you can also see in the background in the same video, you can see McGlore moving around to, to come to Nick's uh, defense. And you can see in the back, I found it really interesting. Watch that Young in the background. We've talked about the lack of toughness on the team and how they've been pushed around all year. And then they acquired Thad Young for exactly that reason from the Sixers, by the way, via um, San Antonio, but mm-hmm. with the Sixers last year. And so he knows all this, obviously knows him. And so he stands up and f- exactly when this goes on, sort of flexes a little bit more than once and just sort of introducing his presence to the situation to calm things down. You watch that, you watch McGlure and you watch Nick, and you wa- and you watch the referee standing to the side, and you tell me there wasn't sort of a physical aspect to that exchange. There 100% was. 
Last one was Adrian Griffin, the uh, assistant coach of the Raptors. I think he's the sort of the head assistant uh, whose son plays for North Carolina and daughter also played in the Final Four. It's a great story if you haven't seen that. But two kids in the Final Four at the same time, obviously incredible. But anyway, a great all-around dude, former NBA player, tells that great story on NBA Canada about being charged with guarding Vince Carter in his heyday when he played for the Celtics, but when Griffin played for the Celtics. But anyway, he also stands up, sort of like, I'm here, JoJo, settle down. Um, so just really unsportsmanlike kind of bullying garbage where he's feeling tougher because he's surrounded by that crazy Philly crowd. And how can any Torontonian Raptors fan, John, not mm-hmm. be upset by that? Like it's bad enough what he's doing, flopping like an idiot with him and Harden. The other video I sent was him and Harden uh, flopping together simultaneously, <laughs> the dual flop. And then just horribly like milking calls, getting in ones when he's literally not physically touched you know, screaming at the refs when he's not getting extra fouls and then having the audacity to go over and tell our coach to shut up for bitching at the refs. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't upset you as a Toronto sports friend, I don't know what would. I'll take a breath there, John. I have more, but uh, that's my initial rant. I want to hear more. I'm going to interject two things, Matt. Very brief, okay? I was in a very zen-like state (laughs) up until about four minutes That's where I'm trying to get back. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm not there. You've really got me all worked up now. Um, No. I'm going to just add one one incident to your list, okay? Because all of those are valid, especially the engagement with, with Nick Nurse, okay? But how about in the first quarter? I should have known through my, my own lens that this was not going to end well with that double, with the double, um, the double tech call in the first quarter between uh, yes. OG and, and, and Embiid. Tell me again. Or t- show me what did OG do there? Here's here's uh, he takes two strides. Embiid takes two strides and just jacks OG, saying, "What? Now it's a double tech? <laughs> like, come on!" And and so I, I knew things were like that. You've laid it out so beautifully. I'm not going to add any more. But but that's those are the incidents that are saying. And I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't capture the true nuance of of the Embiid. Uh, nurse thing when you sort of <laughs> you you the juxtaposition of 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 when he was crying after the uh, after the after the after the game seven of the uh, 2019 um, what would that have been quarterfinals or whatever and 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 him all of a sudden oh yeah I'm tough now oh look at all these night <laughs> twenty thousand fans around me I'm gonna walk up to this guy here and tell him who's right and who's who's the boss here oh I defer <laughs> to you Matt go <laughs> like why are you over there why are you at their bench yeah. <laughs> like what are you doing like. Oh man! How about crying and crying, crying three years ago this month, and then all of a sudden, uh, oh yeah, you're you're. Why don't you shut up, Nick Nurse? All right, all right, thanks. Don't worry, you're out next round, Embiid. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. How about Mark? Yeah, against Brooklyn, hopefully. How about Marcus all uh, shut him down, like zeroed him a couple times, and just absolutely like put yeah. him in a closet and yeah. like relegated him to obscurity on in more than one occasion. Yeah. Can we bring him out of retirement? By the way, <laughs> yeah. that's my next piece I want to talk about is the uh, pending. <laughs> does, this, does this not fit with my let's try and be positive? But I was yeah. already looking at the list of pending uh, UFAs for next year, John, yeah. thinking who we can bring in. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so how about Danny Green's comments? I mean, I love Danny Green. Everybody loves Danny Green. But how about his comments? And it, it speaks a lot to the mentality and how they worked up that crowd into a frenzy. And he said, we just wanted to establish an overall mindset that we're not going to be bullied this year. The Sixers aren't going to get bullied. 
Do you get the sense they're being bullied? I mean, Nick made a comment about how many elbows to the face did seven two three hundred pound Embiid throw, needlessly throw, and all the injuries that the Raptors sustained in Game One, and so on and so on, and the and and they're getting double the foul calls. I mean, sixty four to thirty five. It's almost it's almost one hundred percent more. Like it's double, virtually double, and the Sixers are getting bullied. So there's a real narrative that they've created around that team, and it's just fascinating maybe it's because they flame out in the playoffs year after year or i don't yeah. know what it is but it's yeah. it's it's driving me uh, absolutely yeah. bonkers i can't watch it it's unwatchable like i said and I, I mean i'll give the game back in toronto a chance and we can turn to the line there john i see the yep. Sixers are favored on the road which is with the, all the injuries and everything i guess you can get there but it still sort of rubs me the wrong way as a diehard raptors fan but I don't know. What do you think about Danny Green's comments and uh, and and coming back to Toronto? Do we any shot for Game Three? Right. I mean, the thing I'm worried about Green. I mean, the narrative that the team, a team, tries to create in being it's us against the world and and you know uh, this kind of stuff. It's it's all it's all nonsense. It's just it's just it's just self driven, right? So. I'm going to put that aside, and and when they go into like, especially when they come here Wednesday night, I mean, and they go into tough buildings through the playoffs. You know, I, 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 I you know, they're they're not going to be as tough. I, no, I, I, no Thibault, right? That's the big one right? because of COVID. No Matisse right. Thibault. The worry, the worry I have, Matt, going forward now. Like, I mean, the problem Embiid was awesome. I mean, I mean, Harden was really good, but Tyrese Maxey's really, really, really good. Okay. Yes. And Tobias Harris is killing them as a fourth option. They can't play defense, John. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> That's the problem. Rappers cannot defend properly. They can't play their style of ball. They can't play pop. We know they're like these interchangeable, long, lengthy mm-hmm. players with long wingspans, and and they play tougher defense than everybody. They're yeah. a very highly rated defensive team, but they can't do it in Philly. Yeah. So it's yeah. So hopefully there's a little more there's a little more uh, level playing field, level playing court. Um, on on Wednesday night, I, I just you know like let's let's pull away from some of that narrative just for a moment, Matt. On on the referees and the and and the Embiid idiocy, like I, I just I'm worried about how good some of the some of the Sixers are playing, and I, I mean, and 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 were they given the given the runway to do so? I think they were, but I mean, uh, I, I mean, is this is this, is this is Tyrese Maxey been like this all year? Like I he's really good, so I just I just um, I'm I'm. And, and 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 the Raptors not getting too many calls on in their half court defense probably did hurt them. I'm pretty sure they hurt them. I, Toronto has to be better. We've seen it time and time again in the NBA playoffs. We've seen it in 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 in, in this instance where that home team comes back and is much quote braver. And I'm not talking about the Rave, Ra- Raptors not being brave because they obviously are, but they're just the bravery comes through the referees and and the other team being not as brave and things like that. So, I just think that we're on to um onto a onto better better uh, a better runway now for the uh for the raps at home. Yeah, you would certainly hope so and I mean, let's face it, you tell me, John, on a scale of 1 to 10, Freddie's performance level over the past well, let's just say two games or, or whatever you want to whatever you want to do, two weeks relative to say his first three months of the year yeah. on a scale of one to ten where if if ten was the best he was all year where's he been for the past week Matt, I, I mean the scale scale is it's, it's a dramatic difference but I mean Matt he's just not right there's that's something what I'm saying like, sorry I should that's what I mean like yeah. he, he's not healthy yeah. yeah he's not like those rest days they're saying it's his knee or whatever but like yeah. seven for 23 last yeah. night 
seven for 23, five for 16 from three. I mean, what happened? Remember in the, earlier in the year when he was like yeah. <laughs> crushing it and leading the league in three-pointers made and uh, minutes played? And so that's my point is like we lamented how many times on this show did we talk about like why does he lead the league in minutes? minutes. Yeah. Does someone explain why we're doing that? Well, you've got other guys languishing on the bench who we think could play. Like Malachi looks good when he's in there. He was injured. At the end. But the point is like it's all coming back to roost at this point. Like Freddie looks very worn down. And everybody can't wait to pat Nick on the back more because of the championship and so on. But like yeah. that to me was not a good decision. And, and he sacrificed some of that later season performance and it's 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 hitting us now. And I just don't know what the thinking was with that. And he doesn't look good. Uh, Scotty's out. I can't imagine he's back in there. He's a walking boot yesterday and he's playing tomorrow night and he's a rookie and he's got his long runway of a career in front of him. Like mm-hmm. I just, I can't see any scenario where he plays. Maybe Gary Trent's a little healthier. That's the one thing. We love Gary. Uh, Interesting side note, I saw a review of the Duke Blue Devils facilities and so on, and they were talking, they had the one of the assistant coaches giving a tour of their incredible facilities, if you go on YouTube and watch it if you're interested, but they asked him about some of the, historically, some of the best players at Duke, and then they also asked him, like, so who would you see here in the practice court working the hardest? And you know the players that have been at Duke over the years. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, I'd, I'd have to say probably Gary Trent Jr., Jesus, he singled them out, and this had no, this video had nothing to do with Gary Trent Jr. And he he just, re, I was really taken by that. I was like, wow, you think about all the the stars that have gone through Duke, and you think like the one guy he said was the hardest working player in the history of Duke basketball, or at least during his tenure, mm-hmm. which was significant. Gary Trent Jr. So, you know, we've talked about the fact twenty three years old and uh, a lot of runway. OG's twenty four, obviously Scotty's twenty. Uh, you know, there's that Precious is twenty two. So there is that young core there. There's going to be some turnover. I mean, Thad's 33, so whether he's a UFA, whether they'll uh, re-sign him. They got his bird rights, John, so that's good. But uh, but the point being, uh, just the pl- the performance we're seeing out of these guys heading into tomorrow night, Gary's looked awful, but he's sick. I don't know if it's something that's going to improve yeah. over the short term. Thad, uh, we need him on the floor for the reasons we already touched on, his toughness, and he's a good player. Like, he can score, and he's averaged like 15 points in the league over uh, his career. He um, has that finger issue. Kem Birch, I don't like. I think he since those face face injuries, we got a broken nose, and then he got hit again doing something else. He hasn't been the same player, right? For three quarters of the year, he just wasn't the same guy. Uh, Malachi Flynn, Nick crushed his confidence. Uh, so Pascal looks okay out there offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can't really play defense for the reasons that I keep harping on. But uh, but you know, he's been okay in this series. I think even though his numbers shooting wise have been under fifty percent, I think he's been solid and he's been displaying some leadership and so on. But all in all, I think going into tomorrow night, they're favored, as we said, Sixers favored, one and a half. A couple of wild cards or variables that we just don't know uh, yet with respect to the lineup, at least for uh, the Raptors. And so we'll have to wait and see. But I do like, if statistically, which we try to focus on, don't we, John? And we mm-hmm. try to be more objective, particularly when it comes to something like this where our emotions are running high. And the basketball power index, what I, which I've relied on throughout the season, and it usually serves me pretty well, has in the uh, prediction for this game, it favors the Raptors. They've given them a 72% chance of winning this game. Wow. So it's interesting, the disconnect between the how the BPI, which is a very deep statistical uh, sort of advanced stat objective quantitative analysis of the team's performance, the respective team's performances throughout the year and projects forward uh, and, and is predictive in that sense. And it strongly prefers the Raptors tomorrow night in Toronto. What do you think of that, John? 
I, I'm I'm worried. I think I think the line is probably reflective of of how dominant Philly has been. Like, I mean, it's not rocket science. Uh, I mean, Toronto. This is be Toronto's best game. It can't be much worse than the first two games. I've got. I mean, I've got the Raptors. Uh, I got the game like a pick. You know, now that's. Uh, I mean, on my own sort of algos, but that that has Gary Trent Jr. in there, not Scotty in there. So, um, I the game's like a pick to me. So I. I mean. That means the Raptors can win, obviously. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, I think I think uh, this their their full knockout punch comes knockout punch. Pardon me, their full pushback punch. Uh, their with their jab uh, comes comes tomorrow night, uh, <laughs> Wednesday night. And um, to reiterate what I said earlier, an, uh, to me an important point. They're like statistically in the in the in the in forever in NBA playoff history that game three often goes to the first uh to the to the home team because uh, uh the bounce back they're, they're they're they just get more more and more confident so yep no we're um i think the raptors <laughs> i've said i'm worried and sometimes uh, i'm not all right yeah so we'll see it's a jurassic park it's going to be rammed the uh raptors fans are going to be mad as hornets in there and uh a lot of ticked off Raptors fans and uh, super fans going to be there under the net. And I think uh, people are going to be pumped. I think it's going to be a different story. I, I hope MB gets booed every time he touches the ball because he should, in my opinion. Uh, and Harden, you heard Stephen A. Smith this morning ra- ranting about how James Harden just doesn't look the same. He's not this, as effective. He can't get by people. Ever since he hurt his hamstring last year, he just doesn't have the same quickness and explosiveness that he once had. But as I as you pointed out, Max, he's sort of picking up the slack and uh, looking very strong. And they they need a different approach uh, defensively. And they it doesn't matter what they do if they don't have an end to the silliness by the officials. So hopefully that'll get corrected, and hopefully the crowd can play a role in correcting that. Anything how about else? The, how, about, yeah. how about the one foul, Matt? Just to reiterate for the tenth time, like how about when Harden uh, put a shoulder into Malachi? You know, like, like, how was it that was that was on Malachi for crying out loud? Anyways, um, the rant's over. Um, let's see, let's see tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, well, uh, there's certainly no bet here for me. Uh, I'm just cheering for the Raptors, um, and and let's just worry about Game Three, and then we can worry about any kind of, uh, you know, uh, prognostications for Game Four and beyond. All right, let's leave it there. We'll put a pin in that one, John. Mm-hmm. We could, uh, I could continue ranting, but let's yeah. keep going. Blue Jays into Fenway. Red Sox have that ridiculously stacked lineup. Uh, the odds makers, as a result, have the Red Sox as slight favorites for the series opener, even though the Jays have a better record. Uh, Red Sox coming out off a split on uh, Patriots Day, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. for the Boston Marathon and so on. That early start at 11 a.m. I watched a little bit of that. Uh, the pitching matchup really takes you to the most of the reason for the Red Sox being favored in this one. Jays have won four of their last five games over Boston going back to last year. The total runs predicted for this game opened at nine and a half, but has fallen to nine on most sites. So look around. So the matchup that we're referring to pitching wise is, of course, you say Kikuchi, John, a fifth starter in name um, against Nate Ivaldi, who is arguably the Red Sox best starter, top mm-hmm. starter now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I saw some interesting stats on this, John. Let me hit you with these. So uh, Nate Ivaldi, Nathan Ivaldi, located his fastball up, so elevated in the zone, up 50% of the time last season. The Jays ranked number one in baseball statistically. Ooh with a 474 slugging on elevated fastballs last season. Mm. So that sounds like a win for the Jays to me. Mm. Number one in the sport against uh, elevated fastballs. 
Nate locates his up 50% of the time last season. Second one, similarly but different. Jay's slugged 460 on pitches 95 miles an hour or faster last season, John, which Mm -hmm. was second best in baseball. And guess what Nate likes to do? 90% of his fastballs were 95 plus last season. Wow. So sixth highest. So there seems to be an advantage in this matchup against Ivaldi, even though he's a strong pitcher. His whip has been good in his two starts this year, but he has surrendered four home runs in those two starts. And, of course, the Jays sit near the top of baseball in team home runs so far this year. I feel like all those Jay big righty bats might have a good day with the green monster out there looming, and uh, they can bash it off that all day, and Bo likes to knock over it. But, unfortunately, on the other side of the equation – is unfortunately too strong, but we got Yusei Kikuchi sitting there with his career e- career ERA of right around five. You know, like I don't know what the thinking is signing him for a thirty six million dollar contract over three years with a five ERA and statistically the worst pitcher in baseball. And after the All Star break last year, not sure how that adds up to a thirty six million dollar deal. I think they structured it. What is it? Um, Sixteen this year, and then ten and ten for the ensuing two years, but. Guess that was the market rate for a starter with some experience. Uh, seems high to me, uh, I, and I just in Fenway, right? So we're sending mm-hmm. him out there. <laughs> you know, he's it's only his second start of the year. I hope he pitches well and I hope he does great, but I just don't have the most confidence based on the statistical evidence that I'm looking at. Uh, you know, talk about banging it off the monster all day with that Boston lineup. Ooh. It, I, interestingly, I saw a note, John. I retweeted this. Robbie Ray. Speaking of Blue Jays pitchers or former in this case. Off to a rough start with Seattle. Mm-mm. Makes me a little more cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently his velo is down on all his pitches. His K rate, strikeout rate, is down over 50%. Wow. Yeah. And his walk rate is back up, up over 10%. I know it's just two starts, but... <laughs> Kukuchi, as we said, mystifyingly high. $36 million over three years. What do you think about the Jays uh, in this one, John, at least for the opener in uh, Fenway tonight at 7 p.m., Be There, Be Square? What do you think? I like uh, I, I liked your analysis, Matt. I, I really like the over here. I think this thing mm-hmm. goes flying yes. over. I was thinking about that too, yeah. Right? You know, I think uh, I think your 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 stats on Eovaldi versus the Jays, uh, um, uh, you know, the deep dive statistics, I think, make a lot of sense. And, and you know, just on the from a narrative perspective, we've always felt that Matt, right? The the the, the Dipsy Dewey um, curveball type guys aren't for this lineup. They they want the guys that chuck it up there. We'll hit it. You know, you chuck it up there as fast as we as hard as you can, and we'll hit it as hard as we can. Right. That's more suited to that lineup. No. Yes. So, I uh, and I, I mean I I spent a little time looking to do. I'm you know I, I view Kikuchi as as you know, having a chance, but I looked in that first start thinking, just looking for some silver linings and Matt, you know what? There aren't any, <laughs> you know, he got banged around pretty yeah. good. You know, he's like, he did. there was, I mean, I mean, every, everything, I mean, I, I, we won't go to the deep dive, but the, the, the FIP and all these other specific, specific, uh, the same matrix, uh, mi- micro micrometrics uh, are, aren't very good for what he did in his first start. So that to me, um, if you've got the Jays at a particular number and you've got the Red Sox at a particular number, well, I'm you know I mean, the, the, should Boston have the edge on the on the on the on the uh, on the pitching matchup? Yeah, are they about even on the uh, on the um, on the lineup, yeah. So Boston's got to be a f- slight favorite over over home field advantage. So you got to they got to be in the one thirty five range, and then you notice that they're one forty. So they'll start looking around for what else is actually going to happen in the game, and they're going to 
bomb balls off of the off the green monster. That sounds like narrative, but Kikuchi's not been great, and uh, the Jays might be right for an Eovaldi start. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, we'll see if Zach Collins can keep rolling. And uh, in terms of the offensive contribution, he's filled in nicely for Danny Jansen. Uh, shame to see him go down. He was actually producing offensively, but mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Baraki stepping in for Hyunjin Ryu, which sadly gives me no pleasure to say is probably a big upgrade. I'm not sure Ryu is going to be back, frankly. Mm, uh, he's been bad for a while now. I, I sent something, a, a note on uh, Twitter. His ERA over his past 12 starts, going back to last year, that's a big sample size. 12 starts, uh, his ERA is just under 9. So to me, that sounds like a guy who is not uh, shouldn't be part of a starting rotation and certainly not the number 3 starter for a team that's trying to win the World Series this year so i'm not sure how that's going to work out it's unfortunate um maybe he can be a mop-up guy in the bullpen and give some long relief for uh games that are out of hand and things along those lines but they own uh, 20 million this year and another 20 million next year uh last year he had the bad year which i already referenced he started out okay and then the first of his four-year contract at 20 million a year was the pandemic year when they only played 60 games and i think he pitched in 12 games or something Mm -hmm. so Starting to look like a one of the worst contracts in Blue Jays history. Not to be negative, I hope it turns around, and I'd love to see him back there and pitching at, like an All Star and uh, finishing second in Cy Young voting, like he did with the Dodgers four years ago. But it's just the writing's on the wall, John, and that might be the last we see of Hyunjin Ryo in that starting lineup. So you've got Stripling stepping back in, which is a good thing, and it's good to have some pitching depth. And that's the reality when people in the spring training are like, "What are we going to do with all these starters?" And it's like, "Well." Let's see where we are a month from now. So, yep. so far, we've got Pearson out and now uh, Ryu out, and we're, what, 10 days into the season? You've already lost two of your top six starters probably, so a quarter of your starters. Hopefully, we'll get some good news on Teoscar Hernandez with the oblique injury uh, towards the end of this week, but uh, some time to go there. Yeah. Brock, yeah, I think's ready to rock. Uh, Pearson, as I said, hopefully with Mono, who knows what's going to happen with that, but hopefully there'll be some good news for him towards the end of this week as well it's funny we we how we go to the um we had a problem with reuse couple of starts and 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 pearson not being healthy and so on but you know and and we start thinking oh remember we had this chat on one of recent a recent pod about how uh how we were worried about uh you know the uh, what what was zimmer gonna do or what we're gonna do at catcher you know it's just so such a jays fan right you know it's just to look at these things but you know what they are six and four Right, they are they are doing fine to start the year, and if if somehow I I would like Nate Pearson back. I would like to see him a healthy. Imagine having him in whatever role he is, and could he be an eventual closer? Probably, but you can imagine him at at, at full strength. I, I'm looking forward to that. No, now fast forward, scoring is overall down in the in the major leagues. So the Jays are still 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 batting it up pretty good. I'm st- I'm still bullish. I I'm I'm not excited about tonight um, from a betting perspective. Um, you cited the pitching matchup, and um, but I think the Jays will hit, and uh, I, I think they're going to compete this weekend with the or this week rather with the with the Red Sox and uh, hopefully half their lineup, half the Yankees lineup when they uh, when they come back later in the month <laughs> to Toronto. Yeah, no kidding. Eh? And the, the other wild card that I'm still excited about is uh, the number one prospect, Gabriel Moreno, absolutely mm-hmm. tearing it up in AAA. I think he's batting around 500 to this point. So 
You're saying he needs more time uh, behind the plate to get comfortable. It sounds like to get to a major league level at catcher. You know, he's a converted third baseman, but uh, his bat certainly plays. So, how about the uh, he's under? Maybe he's under that crazy rule, Matt, where they have to bring guys up in mid-May instead of uh, right from the season start. Are you suggesting they would manipulate his service time? There you go. Is that what you're talking about? In a championship for. window, now's not the time. But yes, that could very well be. It, and, and the other thing they talk about that rubs me the wrong way is when they talk about, oh, you don't want to rush guys. And, uh, you know, you got to give them time. It's like, he's 23. Like, he's not 18. Give me a break. Like He's ready. Let's yeah. get him up here. Let's go. Like, I'm sure I'm sure it's another month because of the service time issue but he's it's it's time for him to time for him to come up and and and, and contribute and being being part of the let's see he's got uh yeah 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 he's got he's got five rbi so far this year in triple a so uh yeah he's gonna be he's uh, average of 389 matt opp of 421 slugging 500 oh my god he's live he sure is, and it's uh, that's what he's been doing for years at every level. So it's uh, yeah, they won't be able to keep him there much longer. Still got the glut at, at uh, catcher, especially with Collins hitting a little bit now, which is nice to see, and uh, filling in admirably for Jansen, as we said. And Kirky struggling a little, a little bit, but they're liking him behind the plate. I heard some peripherals on him that he's uh, receiving of uh, and framing of low strikes is ranks number one in the major leagues. So mm. like to see that from a twenty-three-year-old guy that's still developing defensively as a catcher. Uh, all right, well, let's keep going, John. Yep. Last thing we wanted to hit on was our hometown Leafs more positively. We started, uh, we're working working gradually in a positive direction here. We started with the Raptors, <laughs> who are facing elimination. Then we moved on to the Jays, who have been, like you said, six and four, a little mixed, some injuries, not the greatest storylines at all times. Some positives and some negatives. Now we're moving on to the mostly positive, and that's our wonderful Maple Leafs, who have been hitting on all cylinders. Austin Matthews having a, a career and an historic year. They are... And they're hosting the Flyers tonight and are strongly favored. But uh, why don't you take us through this one, John, and give us your thoughts. Yeah, you know, this is, um, unfortunately, the Flyers are no good and the Leafs are uh, pretty good. Uh, we are not going to be laying minus 450 with I the saw Leafs that. tonight. Yeah. Uh, we're not even going to lay the money line. But the most interesting thing about this thing, and, and I mean, I have a thought about Matthews in a moment, Matt, uh, but just going to this game, like the most interesting thing here is that the, the total in this game is seven. Mm. We haven't seen that many sevens, if, if at all. I don't recall them anyways, um, pre-game. This game's seven. How does this stay under? This thing just goes, they go up and down in this game. I don't care if Matthews plays or not, and I don't think he is. I heard so, he's out, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so he, he I mean, this this to me is, this to me is an over- um, you're not going to rate the Leafs are just, just, you know, they're going to tread some water here. The Philly's no good. We saw whenever the Leafs lay this kind of price against somebody like Buffalo, they, they don't seem to be going that well. That's Buffalo right. beats them. Ugh. So stay away from the games like this. If you need to be entertained, watch it. But I think this is goals galore. I really do. I think this, I mean, both teams have both teams, uh, five on five score goals, uh, and Philly specifically gives up a lot of goals. Five on five, and never mind the the impressive uh, power play that the Leafs have. Now, my one point on the Leafs, Matt is, and we may go into this about uh, Matthews Hart Trophy possibilities, but I'm happy he's not playing. You know, I really am. I, I this this kid gets it. This has nothing to do with scoring sixty goals and 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 trophies and things like that. They're all very nice, and whatever happens happens. This is about the next two fortnights 
when it comes to the fl- hockey playoffs. You've got to compete in the playoffs to have a legacy in this league to me. And Matthews knows that, and I'm very impressed with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, if he needs to get rested or get healthy or whatever it is ahead of the playoffs, I agree. That's absolutely the priority, and especially here in Toronto. And there's been such a drought for so long and a lot of frustrated fans. But, uh, yeah, so the Hart Trophy battle, John, it looks like, is it a fait accompli? Is, is it still in any question? And uh, can anything change in the final few four? They got five games left or something? Or is he is he is he a lock at this point? I, I think so. Like I mean, I, he he's he's easily been the best player uh, beginning to end, and he's only missed less than five games, five six games, something like that. And Edmonton has come back, so Connor McDavid is is showing. Right, but and to me, the only guy that uh, that catches them, I mean, the other players that are on these lists, like a Godro or a Huberdo, um, they're good players. But Shesterkin, like you know, in this, this is these are these are awards that are made, um, are, are are voted on. Pardon me, before the playoffs start. So Shesterkin's not going to steal anything from anybody for the, through the playoffs to win this trophy. And uh, Matthews, you know, he he's in a very important market, obviously, and. Uh, and, and and he's a heavy favorite in this market, so I, I think he's going to get there. And 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 it's it's a testament that he's taking these games off. Doesn't doesn't whether he thinks he's going to win or has been told he's going to win or feels good about he's going to win. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just he's, he's preparing for the playoffs, and that's that. Okay, and the last thing, so we'll keep an eye on that. We, we all believe in Austin Matthews. He's the man. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about is the Calder Trophy Rookie of the Year in the NHL odds. We're still pulling for Michael Bunting, even though he's Got to be one of the oldest rookie of the year candidates in years, all the way back to was it Sergey Samsonov way back when? Could be. Uh, I see him here, Michael Bunting with the Leafs at plus six hundred on the board. I'm looking at John, but you want to take us through the other favorites there? Yeah, I think uh, I think Cider is going to win it for the defenseman from Detroit. Uh, you saw, I mean, you look at some of his highlights, and he's not just only uh, you know you know uh, an offensive player. He's he's a tough guy. You know, he <laughs> gives gives out thundering checks. Uh, he's the heavy favorite in this market. Listen, Bunting has had a very nice year, Matt. He's a wonderful compliment to those uh, two of the Leafs' big guns, of course, and Matthews and Marner. And um, you know, he's he, and, and, and he's a good kid too. He's he's giving up. He's 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 giving credit to Matthews and Marner. You know, he realizes it's not about him, and uh, that goes beyond any kind of uh, rookie of the year chase. Um, he has a second choice behind Cider from Detroit. The, the, the interesting thing about him is that he's done it with a, a guy like Lucas Raymond near him as well, who's uh, the fourth choice. So Detroit's got a heck of a future with Cider at minus 225 to net 100, um, growth 325. Uh, Bunting is a plus 350. Zegras is a plus 650. Lucas Raymond at 9 to 1. And uh, that is on uh, one of the uh, now white, white market sports books that are available in Ontario. All right, and I'm just looking at the rookie scoring leaders, John. First place, Michael Bunting, followed by Trevor Zagris and Lucas Raymond, and then Sider, Raymond and Sider, of course, with Detroit, as you said. But Cole Caulfield fought his way back. He's now up to eighth in scoring, and I feel like the emergence of Martin St. Louis as coach of Montreal didn't exactly hurt uh, Cole Caulfield's cause. Some similarities there in size and so on in uh, scoring ability, right? Absolutely, like we we talked about on the pod before. Watch out for Montreal next year. You're gonna uh, their their big gun is back just the other day, and it was very nice to see. You know, Carey Price is back. 
It's yeah. unbelievable. So uh, no, we're we're gonna. That's not the last we're gonna hear of this guy. And uh, watch out for Montreal a little bit next year. But uh, nothing to worry about over the next uh, few weeks. Just let's get these Leafs going and winning a couple of these uh, series and uh, onto the cup. All right, good stuff, brother. All right, thanks for the conversation today. A lot happening. Let's go, Raptors. I feel like we can get two at home, maybe in a bounce back and some emotion from the home crowd. I want to remind you guys to bet responsibly. We're trying to have fun here. This is about value for your entertainment dollar. So bet responsibly. Enjoy it. Uh, Thanks, John. We'll see you later in the week, and we are out for now. Thanks, man.